Would you please stand this morning as we honor the reading of the Word of God? For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body... Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, then where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. Let us pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you, God, that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. God, we know by faith, because your word is true, that that is always the case. Lord, there are special times when we sincerely sense your presence like we had this morning. and We want to say thank you. We love you. We need you, Father. God, I pray now that you would anoint me this morning to rightly divide the word of truth, to preach it in clarity, God, to proclaim your word this morning in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God, we pray, Father, for that man or that woman, that boy or that girl here today that is lost, God, that they would be saved. God, we pray, Lord, that you would have your way with us. Help us to understand your word. Help us to understand its application to our lives. Have your way, be lifted up and glorified this morning. And Father, we praise you for what you've done. God, we will give you the honor and the glory, and you alone, that honor and glory for everything you do here this morning. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. I want to finish this morning a sermon series that we've been going through titled Discovering Your Gift. It's been a great series so far. I've had a lot of really positive feedback. Uh, the last week during the PM service, the Sunday PM service, we took a look at the manifestations of the Spirit, uh, specifically the idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We took a thorough look at what the Bible teaches about tongues. And I was um, blessed to have so much feedback from people that are traditional Pentecostal side, people that are traditional Baptist side, and, and, and everybody said, you know what, the Word was taught and that was good, it was, it was accurate, it was fair, it was balanced, and so very excited about that. Uh, we do not have that particular portion listed in my notes, but everything else that we have studied so far is in the notes that will be going out at the end of service today. Before I get to my, I have five final thoughts just to close out this, this sermon series that I want to leave you with this morning. Before, I just want to give a quick recap. We learned that we all have a gift, a gift of action in Romans chapter 12. We learned that this gift of action is something that motivates us to do something. If you look at the gifts of action in Romans chapter 12, they are all Verbs. They are something that you do. 
And we saw that God has given every one of us as a child of God, everybody who is saved has a gift of action that is meant to be used in the body. We learned in the following week that not only has God given us a gift of action, this thing that motivates us to do something for God, but that God has also given gifts of ministries inside the church. And that there are various ways our action gift is supposed to work itself out in the church. And then we looked at, and that was Ephesians 4, where we saw the idea that our action gifts are to be used in the body for the purpose of helping further God's ministry. And then we also looked at the gift of miracles in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we looked at the idea and the truth that the manifestations of the Spirit can happen through each of us as God's children as we use our action gifts for the furthering of ministry. My goal today is hopefully to clarify a few things that I haven't had time to deal with. There's really not anything new that I'm going to be teaching this morning. All the groundwork has been laid, but I have five final thoughts that I want to be very clear about. So number one today is that every believer has an action gift. Every believer has an action gift. Those gifts listed in first, excuse me, in Romans chapter 12. What I want to say about every believer having an action gift is that it's very possible to have more than one. I've had several contact me and say, hey, I'm not real sure, you know, if my gift is teaching or exhorting. I kind of like to do both. And here's what you need to know. Just because the Word of God teaches us that every person, ha- every Christian has a gift doesn't mean that we don't have more than one. It's very possible to be gifted in a handful of different areas. And so it's not like you... Uh, one of the things I want to oh, emphasize this morning is it's not incredibly important that you figure out that one and, and, and that you're nervous until you know what that one is so that I can do that one thing and then feel like I'm doing God's will. It may be several areas that you feel a level of gifting in. What's important is not so much that I necessarily identify what's the one thing I really want to do, but that I identify the gifts, that I understand how they work, and I can see the areas in my life where those gifts can be used. That's the most important thing and that then I'm willing to start using those gifts in my daily living. I also want to say that while it is true that God gifts us with these gifts of action, leadership, mercy, exhortation, prophecy, teaching, giving, helping, serving, while it is true that God gifts us with those things, and that some people are gifted in a stronger area of teaching, for example, than maybe someone else, as we mature in our faith, we should to some degree be able to function in all of those things. In other words, just because uh, somebody's primary motivational gift might be prophecy, That doesn't mean that they have the right to close their arms and say, well, I don't have to show anybody mercy because that's not my gift. Well, you might not be as good at showing mercy as someone whose gift is that. But we still have the responsibility as Christians to be merciful, to exhort, 
to give. The same thing applies to giving. I can, no, we, none of us can just say, well, my gift isn't giving, so I'm not going to give. That's not what this is teaching us. But what we do see is that God gifts us, gifts the church with people who have, that are motivated to do these things. I also want you to know that in addition to the fact that every believer has an action gift, that it may take some time to figure out what your primary action gift is or gifts are. But do not stop trying. You're never really going to know what, what is right if you're not willing to try. If you're not willing to just, just do it and, and try to obey the Lord and, and help here and, and, and try to... You see somebody that you think maybe the Lord's leading you to encourage somebody. Go encourage them. Don't think, well, I'm not sure if God's gifted me with this gift and I don't want to mess it up. Just go encourage them. And, and, and start working it out in your life and you will find as you mature and as you age in your faith and as you actually do these things, you'll begin to find some of these areas where you do a great job and you'll find other areas where you don't do such a good job. And once you start to recognize, this is, I'm good at this. This is something that feels right. And when I do this, I feel a sense of accomplishment because it's God working through me. And I know it's not me doing it. It's God working through me. Once you start doing that, then you start identifying your gift. But it's so important that you're willing to just be led by the Spirit. Try it. If you decide, I'm not going to do anything until God shows me exactly, am I supposed to be an exhorter? Am I supposed to be a giver? Am I supposed to show mercy? Am I supposed to be a teacher? You know, am I supposed to be a leader? If, if you're waiting, you're not going to discover your gift that way. And so I want to encourage you this morning to not be afraid to enter into ministry. That is the willingness to yield myself to God and say, God, here I am, here is my life, Here are my hands, here is my feet, here is my mouth. Use me, God, however you want to use me. And as you start working that out, you will eventually begin to see clarity in the areas that God has really gifted you in. I want to give this quick story about the waiter to uh, kind of conclude some thoughts about action gifts. It's been a few weeks since we've looked at action gifts. There was the gift of prophecy, exhortation, giving, leadership, serving, teaching, and mercy. And I want to share with you this idea, and and it might help you possibly get an idea of what are my gifts. And so picture that we're at a banquet, and there is... It's a Christian banquet, and it just so happens the table is a round table with seven seats, and every seat is filled by one person whose primary gift is one of these gifts. And it's a, it's a Christian banquet, and it is a few, you know, the dinner's happening. Their dinner is just about over. The waiter's getting ready to bring out dessert. And as soon as dessert's done, which would be about 15 minutes from this time frame, the main speaker's going to get up and give his lesson for the night. And so we're all there having a good time. The waiter is bringing out the, the ice cream and trips, and it falls all over the place. Ice cream falls on the speaker, and he's got his suit on, and it's got ice cream running down his suit, and it's all over the floor, and it's just a mess, all right? 
the person with the gift of prophecy jumps up and says, I saw this coming. And here's why I saw it coming. This guy's overworked. Our waitress has been going back and forth and back and forth and they're trying to get her to bring us ice cream while at the same time clearing the table and you can't continue to overwork a person like that and not expect these types of things to happen. The motivation is to reveal what's really going on behind the scenes that could cause such a conflict. The person with exhortation says, hey, listen, don't let that bother you. You're one of the greatest waitresses we have ever had. And everybody makes a mistake. There's not a chance any of us at this table could do what you do. Don't be discouraged because you have been amazing. What's the motivation there? To produce faith in the person, not to give up on what they're doing and to help them feel better about the experience. Then we have the person with the gift of giving. The person with the gift of giving says, you know what? Listen, whatever it's going to cost to fix this, I'll cover it. Don't stress out about that. Don't let this ruin your night. I'll take care of that. And in fact, you know what? It didn't get on me. So he takes his coat off and gives it to the speaker and says, here, this, you know, I'm just, he, and the motivation is to give whatever he can to help make the need taken care of. We see the person with the gift of leadership jumps up and says, all right, we've got somebody that has to speak in 15 minutes. So we need to get this cleaned up. I need somebody to go to this section. This is where we keep the mop, and this is where we keep this stuff. And I need somebody to make sure that the speaker's ready to go and make sure that we've got mics on. And uh, you know what, Chris, while you're at it, can you hop up and sing a couple more songs, please, and we'll get this thing going. And so what the, the, the gift of leadership there is to figure out how do I get people moving to make sure that we stay on task and accomplish the goal at hand. And then we see the person whose gift is serving or ministering. This person gets up and says, what can I do to help? Do I need to go get the mop? Do I need to go help Chris get ready to sing? Chris, do you need anything? What do I need to do? And they're just like, I'm here to help. Tell me what to do and I will help. What's the motivation? To find something to do physically that can help make the situation better. We see the person with the gift of teaching who is my, my least important favorite person in this event. person with the gift of teaching steps up and says, now hold on a second, I don't mean to be under-spiritual here, but the real problem is not that the waiter was doing too much stuff. I noticed that on her way in, she had seven bowls of ice cream on this side and only four on this side. And when she began to go and it started to tilt, it was just so unbalanced there was no stopping it. And this could have easily been stopped if we would better balance the plate. Well, the motivation there is to identify the facts of why what happened happened and provide an answer to keep it from happening again. The person with mercy, probably the person with mercy is immediately going to get up and they're actually going to start helping pick stuff up. They're helping, they're, they're patting the waiter, waitress on the back, they're saying, honey, it's okay, don't worry about it. And, and helping do everything they can, ultimately with the motivation of trying to alleviate pain and shame for the waitress. Now those are the seven action gifts. And you have to ask yourself, if you were at that table, what's the first instinct that you would probably do? Most of us, if we were the only person at the table, would probably try to do many of those things. But if we were all at that table, what's the first thing you would do? 
that's a good indicator of where your primary action gift may be. And if there are two or three of those things that you're like, I'd be conflicted, I'd want to do both of those, well, that's a very good indication that God has actually gifted you with both of those action gifts. And so hopefully that helps provide a little bit of clarity about what do these action gifts look like and what might yours be. Secondly today, first final thought, every believer has an action gift. Second final thought, every believer has a role to play in the body of Christ. This was our text this morning. Every believer has a role to play in the body of Christ. Our gifts are meant for the body. Our gifts are meant for the body. Now remember, the body of Christ is meant to reach a lost and dying world. But the healthier the body of Christ is, the better we reach a lost and dying world. And so our gifts are meant to be used in the body. Every single person that is a Christian, you need to know that God has gifted us with you. I thought about the gifts in this, as I thought about how do you explain the difference in gifts. I thought about calling the gift of action God's gift to you. And I thought about calling the gift of belonging God's gift of you. Because each of us matter to the body of Christ. Every person that's a Christian has a role to play. This means that you need to be connected and committed to a local body. Every member is important. Let me ask you this concerning your body. None of us would want to have our heart cut out today because we would die. None of us would want to have our head cut off because we would die. But how many of us would like to have our pinky cut off? I don't want anything cut off of me. I mean, if you had to sit, if, we, if you had to get serious and, and make a decision today, which part of your body can we cut off? There's, there's this sense that rises up in nothing. There is nothing that you're cutting off of my body or out of it. All members are important. I want every single one of my fingers. I want every single one of my toes. I want my arms. I want my legs. I want all the organs that make it work. And when you look at this body, you take the heart out of it and the body dies. But what good is a heart without a body? This is what Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 12. You know, can the ear say, well, I'm not important because I'm not the eyes? That's just foolish thinking. And in the church, we have to stop the nonsense of comparison. Well, brother so-and-so does so much, and brother sister so-and-so does this, and, and, I'm, and I'm this or I'm that. Stop comparing. God made you divinely you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and every single one of God's children have a role to play in the body of Christ. That's a very important staple of understanding spiritual gifts. 
They are for everybody in the body. God has gifted everybody in the body. Everybody has a role in the body. Spiritual gifts are not for the superpowers of the faith that make everything go around. Spiritual gifts are for the entire body. Everybody has a role to play. As the body is healthy, then we do a better job reaching the lost and winning them to the Lord. And so we are healthy when everybody does their role. Number three, every believer can experience the manifestations of the Spirit. We looked at that last week, working through them. This is the reality that God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. You remember in Ephesians chapter 1, which we didn't cover this in this lesson, but go and read Ephesians chapter 1. Paul makes an incredible statement to the Ephesian church. He says he prays for them that they may have a spirit of revelation that they may know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in them. He says, cognitively, I have a feeling you get that teaching, but I pray you get the revelation of it. And we see that the, the, the miracle-working power of God can work through all of us. And that the gifts, plural, listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, aren't necessarily the same as action gifts. And so therefore, any of us, the gift of healing could work through at any given time when we are praying for somebody to be healed. And so in other words, there's not necessarily the person whose gift is healing that we need to quickly get that person here to pray because if not, we don't have anybody with the gift of healing. Well, the spirit that gives the gift of healing lives in all of us. And so we see the idea that the, we should anticipate and expect God's divine working, divine, miraculous working among us and through us. We should pray for it and believe for it. The fourth thing I want to go through this morning and leave you with are the ten most common abuses of spiritual gifts. Number one, beware when spiritual gifts are used as a means of manipulation, power, or control in personal relationships or in church relationships. This is really what Paul was addressing with the the church in Corinth if you read early in in 1 Corinthians, they were abusing their spiritual powers. They were trying to force, you know, act as if they could live how they wanted to live because they had spiritual gifts. They were argumentative as to whose gift is more important than the other. Which is more important? The hand or the foot? And Paul says, that's a dumb argument. Stop thinking that way. Quit thinking that way. It's all important and nobody's better than anybody. And by the way, none of us have anything we weren't given. They're all gifts from God, and so don't think yourself haughty and high and mighty because God gave you something you didn't have. So beware, number one, when spiritual gifts are used as a means of manipulation. Number two, beware whenever anyone claims to have the ability to give a particular gift if you follow their formula. Beware if anybody claims to have the ability to give you their gift if you'll follow a formula. Number three, beware when any particular gift 
is made a universal evidence of spirituality, spiritual maturity, salvation, or any other spiritual blessing. Number four, beware when the focus of a church service, beware when the focus of a ministry or a special religious event, beware when the focus is on spiritual gifts and the manifestation rather than on the giver of the gifts. Beware of that. Beware of comparing your gift with anyone else's. It always leads to carnality. Don't compare your gift with anyone else's. It will do one of two things if you, if you try to go that route and compare your gifts. It will always lead to carnality. You'll either find somebody that you think is better than you at it, and then all of a sudden you're, you're trying to become like that person, or you're, or you're personally feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough, and I'm not this, and I shouldn't do this. And all of a sudden... It's really reverse pride where I'm feeling sorry for myself because my gift doesn't look like I think somebody else's does. Or you'll compare yourself to people that you may think don't have the gift and the same strength you do and you might feel haughty and prideful and lifted up and think, wow, you know, I'm the best that there is. No matter how you look at it, comparing your spiritual gift to other people's gifts will always lead to carnality. Stop it. And be thankful and realize, I'm nothing without God. I have nothing that is of any value that God didn't give me. I didn't bring anything to the plate. I didn't bring anything to offer in in salvation. And not only did God save me and wipe my heart clean and cleanse my mind and my heart and make me new and give me new life, He then gifted me to be part of His kingdom. Everything I have is a gift. I'm not going to be high and lifted up about it. Beware of extreme positions on spiritual gifts. And uh, if you know me, I'm a believer that this applies to almost everything in the faith, especially about secondary issues. Beware of extreme positions. For example, they do not exist, period. That's an extreme position. Or the position that if you're really spirit-filled, you will do this. That's also an extreme position. So beware of that. Number eight, and this is a very important one. Beware of confusing spiritual gifts with spiritual fruit as the evidence of spiritual growth and maturity. I want you to look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, not the gift of the Spirit, the fruit. Fruit is what happens when something grows up and finally matures. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These are the things that mark spiritual maturity. I have personally witnessed very spiritually immature people that yet have recognized they have a spiritual gift and they try to function in their spiritual gift mistakenly think that just because they 
recognize their spiritual gift and they function their spiritual gift, that that makes them mature. I, some of the meanest spirited people that I know are people who have experienced great spiritual blessings at times, great spiritual gifts. If you were here Sunday night, you heard me reference um, somebody I know that had said to another person that didn't have their gift, that, well, you'll just never know God like I know God and never love God like me. See, that's spiritual immaturity. That's the, that's the confusion of thinking that because I have a spiritual gift, that that means I'm spiritually mature. Don't mistake the gifts of the Spirit for the fruits of the Spirit. And I want to say, I, obviously I believe it's important that we understand our gifts. But I would much, 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 much rather a thousand times over have a church that was spiritually mature and that was filled with the fruits of the Spirit than a church that was not spiritually mature and not filled with the fruits of the Spirit, but yet experienced a bunch of spiritual activity because people were walking in their gifts. I mean, this is what Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I mean, he takes that little pause and says, now hold on a second, we're talking about gifts, but do not forget, love's the greatest. Amen. And so, and Paul, he goes, to, he goes to that same place. So, beware of confusing spiritual gifts with spiritual fruit as the evidence of spiritual growth. Number nine, beware that apparent manifestations of the Spirit can be counterfeited by human schemes and even demonic schemes at times. It takes a spirit of discernment. And finally, beware of viewing the discovery of your gift, the development of your gift, and the deployment of your gift as an optional exercise or as something that's maybe just interesting but that you don't need to seriously take responsibility for. It's a big sentence. I'm going to say it one more time. Beware of thinking that your responsibility to discover your gift, to develop your gift, and to use your gift is something that's optional. Something that's really not all that serious. Kind of interesting, but... It's not that big of a deal. No, it's a big deal. God divinely designed you to make a difference in His kingdom. And so this stuff that we're going over matters. It's not really optional. When we look at the the idea of Jesus talking about the servants coming at the end of time and, and, and giving an account for the talents that they were given, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that means that what God has given me, I'm using. And so it's very, this is an important topic. This isn't just something to take half-heartedly and think, eh, that's interesting. No, this is very important in your life. And number five, I want to leave you with this this morning. You, as a Christian, have a divine role in the kingdom of God. That's what we've learned, really, through studying the gifts. Each of us have a divine role role in the kingdom of God. What that role looks like, how that role plays itself out in our daily living, how that role plays itself out in furthering the ministry of the gospel, it's going to be different for all of us. But every single child of God, God has enlisted into His plan, and you have a divine role in the kingdom of God. You have been gifted by God with at least one action gift to motivate you into His service. 
you have been chosen by God to help bring about His ministry here on earth. Think about that. You have been chosen by God to help bring about His ministry here on earth. That's a powerful thing. It does matter that we understand what our gifts are and that we're willing to develop them and deploy them. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you, and therefore, God can work miracles through you as He wills. And finally, the church needs you. We need each other. I use the word need on purpose. Again, I ask the question, which member of your body would you rather not have? We need each other. You as a Christian are needed by the church to know your role, to be involved, to be connected, to be committed, and to allow God to work in you and through you. My prayer, I'm going to ask our worship team to come. My prayer is I felt the Lord leading me into this sermon series at the very beginning of this year. In a lot of ways, our church is on the threshold of moving into a new season of our ministry. And as we continue to grow, it will require that more and more people are willing to say, God, use me in whatever capacity that looks like. My prayer is that through this sermon series that we really went through at the very beginning of 2016, that God will help us as a body become more joined together, more willing for each of us to embrace our role. This morning, if you're here and you're a Christian, I pray that somehow the Spirit of God speaks to your heart and shows you that you matter to the kingdom. And that every person has a role, including you. I pray that if you have a pretty good idea what you're called to do, but you haven't been doing it because either you don't know where to start, you feel like, oh, that role's already taken, or maybe you're afraid. I pray that if that's you, that, that, that you're, you're get your heart and your mind wrapped around the fact that God is not a God of mistakes. And while you might feel inadequate, God's the one that's gifted you. God's the one that's called you. God's the one that's, that, that's brought this into your life and gifted you to do this thing. And you need to trust God. There's a healthy portion of us of feeling inadequate. When we start to think, oh, I got this. This is me. Then we start functioning in the power of our own flesh. It's not good. And so it's good to to be cautious as I move forward. But if you're not moving forward, I encourage you this morning that you'd be willing to let God speak to your heart and say, it's time for me to start using my gift. If you're a Christian this morning and you say, I don't really know what my gift is, be encouraged to know that you just need to start working it out. Get involved. Get connected. Try to exhort somebody. Try to show mercy. Practice giving. Practice teaching. Do some things and you'll begin to find out, wow, this, that felt right. That felt good. 
But don't just sit there and say, I'm not going to do anything until I have great clarity. Because clarity will come as you serve. And finally this morning, if you're here and you're not saved, there is no gift. No gift is important as the salvation of your soul. God wants to save you this morning. He loves you. He wants to wipe away your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. He wants to give you full pardon of every sin you have ever committed. And if you're here and that's you this morning, you need to know that if you'll come to God in an honest and contrite heart and simply confess, God, I know that I am a sinner and that I need you, God, and turn your life to Him. That means, God, I'm going to follow you. If you will do that this morning, God will meet you right where you're at and save you and transform your life. And I challenge you, if you're here this morning and you need to be saved, I challenge you to come as we sing a song of invitation. Father, I pray that you'd move all across this room. God, we pray for the body to be healthy. God, we pray that we would be a people that are willing to move and function in the gifts that you've given us. God, we pray right now for every man, woman, boy or girl that's in this place, that Lord, they have not come to know you in the free pardon of sin. God, we pray that you'd save them this morning. We pray that they would come and kneel before you, God, and just cry out for help and salvation and look to you, God, that they would turn their life, turn from their